Esther chapter 1. This is what happened in the days of Xerxes, who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Cush. In those days, King Xerxes sat on his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. In the third year of his reign, Xerxes held a feast for all his officials and servants. The military leaders of Persia and Media were there, along with the nobles and princes of the provinces. And for a full 180 days, he displayed the glorious riches of his kingdom and the magnificent splendor of his greatness. At the end of this time, in the garden court of the royal palace, the king held a seven-day feast for all the people in the citadel of Susa, from the least to the greatest. Hangings of white and blue linen were fastened with cords of fine white and purple material to silver rings. Gold and silver couches were arranged on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Beverages were served in an array of goblets of gold, each with a different design, and the royal wine flowed freely according to the king's bounty. By order of the king, no limit was placed on the drinking, and every official of his household was to serve each man whatever he desired. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when the king's heart was merry with wine, he ordered the seven eunuchs who served him, Mehiman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abegtha, Zather, and Carcas, to bring Queen Vashti before him, wearing her royal crown, to display her beauty to the people and officials, for she was beautiful to behold. Queen Vashti, however, refused to come at the king's command brought by his eunuchs, and the king became furious, and his anger burned within him. Then the king consulted the wise men who knew the times, for it was customary for him to confer with the experts in law and justice. His closest advisers were Karshina, Shether, Admetha, Tarshish, Meris, Marsina, and Mimikin, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who had personal access to the king and ranked highest in the kingdom. According to the law, he asked, what should be done with Queen Vashti, since she refused to obey the command of King Xerxes, delivered by the eunuchs? And in the presence of the king and his princes, Memekin replied, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but all the princes and the peoples in all the provinces of King Xerxes. For the conduct of the queen will become known to all women, causing them to despise their husbands, and say, King Xerxes ordered Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she did not come. This very day the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard about the queen's conduct, will say the same thing to all the king's officials, resulting in much contempt and wrath. So if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree, and let it be recorded in the laws of Persia and Media, so that it cannot be repealed that Vashti shall never again enter the presence of King Xerxes, and that her royal position shall be given to a woman better than she. The edict the king issues will be heard throughout his vast kingdom, and so all women, from the least to the greatest, will honor their husbands. The king and his princes were pleased with this counsel, so the king did as Memekin had advised. He sent letters to all the provinces of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be master of his own household. Chapter 2 Sometime later, when the anger of King Xerxes had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done, 
and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's attendants proposed, Let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king, and let the king appoint commissioners in each province of his kingdom to assemble all the beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch in charge of the women, and let them be given beauty treatments. Then let the young woman who pleases the king become queen in place of Vashti. This suggestion pleased the king, and he acted accordingly. Now there was at the citadel of Susa a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin, named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish. He had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jeconiah, king of Judah. And Mordecai had brought up Hadessah, that is, Esther, the daughter of his uncle, because she did not have a father or mother. The young woman was lovely in form and appearance, and when her father and mother had died, Mordecai had taken her in as his own daughter. When the king's command and edict had been proclaimed, many young women gathered at the citadel of Susa under the care of Haggai. Esther was also taken to the palace and placed under the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. And the young woman pleased him and obtained his favor, so he quickly provided her with beauty treatments and the special diet. He assigned to her seven select maidservants from the palace and transferred her with them to the best place in the harem. Esther did not reveal her people or her lineage because Mordecai had instructed her not to do so. And every day Mordecai would walk back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn about Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. In the twelve months before her turn to go to King Xerxes, the harem regulation required each young woman to receive beauty treatments with oil of myrrh for six months and then with perfumes and cosmetics for another six months. When the young woman would go to the king, she was given whatever she requested to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. She would go there in the evening, and in the morning she would return to a second harem under the care of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he delighted in her and summoned her by name. Now Esther was the daughter of Abihail, the uncle from whom Mordecai had adopted her as his own daughter. And when it was her turn to go to the king, she did not ask for anything, except what Haggai, the king's trusted official in charge of the harem, had advised. And Esther found favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal palace in the tenth month, the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she found grace and favor in his sight more than all the other virgins. So he placed the royal crown upon her head and made her queen in place of Vashti. Then the king held a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his officials and servants. He proclaimed a tax holiday in the provinces and gave gifts worthy of the king's bounty. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther still had not revealed her lineage or her people, just as Mordecai had instructed. She obeyed Mordecai's command as she had done under his care. In those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance, grew angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. When Mordecai learned of the plot, he reported it to Queen Esther, and she informed the king on Mordecai's behalf. After the report had been investigated and verified, 
both officials were hanged on the gallows, and all this was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Chapter 3 After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, elevating him to a position above all the princes who were with him. All the royal servants at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, because the king had commanded that this be done for him. But Mordecai would not bow down or pay homage. Then the royal servants at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why do you disobey the command of the king? Day after day they warned him, but he would not comply. So they reported it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, since he had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or pay him homage, he was filled with rage. And when he learned the identity of Mordecai's people, he scorned the notion of laying hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he sought to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the kingdom of Xerxes. In the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the Pur, that is, the lot, was cast before Haman to determine a day and month. And the lot fell on the twelfth month, the month of Adar. Then Haman informed King Xerxes, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples of every province of your kingdom. Their laws are different from everyone else's, and they do not obey the king's laws. So it is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will deposit ten thousand talents of silver into the royal treasury to pay those who carry it out. So the king removed the signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Keep your money, said the king to Haman. These people are given to you to do with them as you please. On the thirteenth day of the first month, the royal scribes were summoned, and the order was written exactly as Haman commanded the royal satraps, the governors of each province, and the officials of each people, and the script of each province, and the language of every people. It was written in the name of King Xerxes, and sealed with the royal signet ring. And the letters were sent by couriers to each of the royal provinces, with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, and to plunder their possessions on a single day, the thirteenth day of Adar, the twelfth month. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued in every province and published to all the people, so that they would be ready on that day. The couriers left, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. Then the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was in confusion. Chapter 4 When Mordecai learned of all that had happened, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the middle of the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because the law prohibited anyone wearing sackcloth from entering that gate. In every province to which the king's command and edict came, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and lamented, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maidens and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, the queen was overcome with distress. She sent clothes for Mordecai to wear instead of a sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, appointed to her, and she dispatched him 
to Mordecai to learn what was troubling him and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the city square in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury in order to destroy the Jews. Mordecai also gave Hathak a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for the destruction of the Jews to show and explain to Esther, urging her to approach the king, implore his favor, and plead before him for her people. So Hathak went back and relayed Mordecai's response to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and instructed him to tell Mordecai, All the royal officials and the people of the king's provinces know one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, that he be put to death. Only if the king extends the gold scepter may that person live. But I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the past thirty days. When Esther's words were relayed to Mordecai, he sent back to her his reply. Do not imagine that because you are in the king's palace, you alone will escape the fate of all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows if perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maidens will fast as you do. After that I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did all that Esther had instructed him. Chapter 5 On the third day, Esther put on her royal attire and stood in the inner court of the palace, across from the king's quarters. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal courtroom, facing the entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she found favor in his sight. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand toward Esther, and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? the king inquired. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I have prepared for the king. Hurry, commanded the king, and bring Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared, and as they drank their wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be fulfilled. Esther replied, This is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, may the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. That day Haman went out full of joy and glad of heart. At the king's gate, however, he saw Mordecai, who did not rise or tremble in fear at his presence, and Haman was filled with rage toward Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, and calling for his friends and his wife Suresh, Haman recounted to them his glorious wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored and promoted him over the other officials and servants. What is more, Haman added, Queen Esther invited no one but me to join the king at the banquet she prepared, 
and I am invited back tomorrow along with the king. Yet none of this satisfies me as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. His wife Suresh and all his friends told him, Have them build a gallows fifty cubits high, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go to the banquet with the king and enjoy yourself. The advice pleased Haman, and he had the gallows constructed.